the train's coming, but this isn't my train. So I'm going to have to either talk at you for the next six minutes or I'm going to have to find someone else who's waiting for the train that I'm on. Um, and I think I'm going to try and do an interview with someone else just as practice and trying to get my skills, my interviewing skills to be a bit better. Hi. weeks now or something like that yeah um, I'm just here for the summer oh well, welcome. Uh, normally I live in Philly yeah thank you nice um so what's it been like so far what are your sort of first impressions uh it's been good um I think so I'm in urban planning soon so one of the things uh, I've noticed is just like I never really spent much time out in the Bay Area and mm-hmm. I guess I've noticed a lot of things like the city and the Bay Area generally are just like not dense at all and I know that's like pretty well known but I think it hadn't really been apparent to me until I'd been living here and gotten to explore more of the city. Yeah. And especially around here, because we're at the North Berkeley stop right now, I'm sort of surprised to see like how many like shorter single-family homes and yards there are just like totally around this like very big transit center. Yeah, I think I didn't realize when I moved to Berkeley that I was basically moving to suburbia. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that I think I had this idea that it was high, more high density. Can you tell me? I'm I'm really interested in urban planning, city planning. That's in large part why I'm doing this podcast. Okay, I want to. Cool sort of underscore what disinvestment in public infrastructure looks like and particularly in yeah. public transit um what have other things you've been struck by as like a mm. urban planning or urban planner sorry so, so i guess I, I work in transportation planning specifically oh and, whoa okay uh, so tell me everything yeah. <laughs> um and so i guess my baseline is comparing it to philly and new york which mm. are the two cities i've lived in most recently and i think there are some things where it's clear at least San Francisco, if not largely like the West Coast, has a lot more energy um, than the East Coast investing in. Um, I think, like for instance, biking around Berkeley mm-hmm. is a significantly more pleasant experience than Philly. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Philly, I feel like I'm sort of just like playing chicken with drivers. It's mm-hmm. frankly probably unwise for me to be biking there. Mm-hmm. Um, here, like the infrastructure's been here for a long time, and I think that's sort of like fed into a culture where the drivers also know or believe that they should be deferring to pedestrians and bicycles, and it's like reduces a lot of the stress in my life and like walking around day to day and that's like me as like a very able-bodied younger person so I can only imagine like if you're a child or like being mm. older how much safer it feels just to like cross the street or like have trust in the stop sign working uh-huh. um, things like that and I think that's been like a big improvement in my quality of life here yeah Yeah, but what about walking here because a lot of times when you try and walk here you have to like hit a button to either cross and you sort of feel like it's my boyfriend and I call it the beg button to walk and then there's also sometimes there's not even a stop sign and there's sometimes like four cars going like two each way Mm -hmm. and it's quite scary do you feel like it's bike friendly but not walk friendly Uh, I think that's fair I mean I think like this goes back to the whole density question I think it's clear that the city decided to prioritize like certain pedestrian corridors and then they just said like we should invest in these corridors and not invest as much in like 
other areas just because the city is so sprawling mm-hmm. um, that it might not be cost effective. So yeah, I totally hear your point. I'll like just be walking around the city and like suddenly run into like, I guess, sidewalk deserts or you know, pedestrian deserts where things like suddenly become way harder mm-hmm. and it's like totally different from, you know, where I'd been before where it was very pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't I mean, I think it's like trade-offs kind yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what do you what would you recommend what is your sort of assessment of BART um, from an urban planning perspective? Well, I think the the first couple of weeks I was here, I it wasn't it hadn't struck me yet that it's like a commuter rail where you should like check what time your train's coming. I know. I, was, I didn't yeah, realize that either. Cuz it by all like intents and purposes just looks and feels like a subway. So I like get here now we've just missed my train, so it was like, oh, a 25-minute wait. I was like, that's a huge bummer. Yeah, that's why I'm making this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and wait, so what's the difference for listeners? Like, what's the difference between a commuter rail and a subway? Uh, it's mostly just the range and frequency and the types of people it's meant to serve. Like, you know, it's in the name. It's uh, primarily intended for commuters. BART's a little bit more interesting and more of a hybrid because it does have pretty good coverage and frequency like within the city like if you're moving up and down through san francisco during the weekdays you don't have to look up like what time the next train's coming because you essentially take any mm-hmm. um but definitely like towards the end of the lines and especially on weekends or like off hours um it's more suited towards people who like are making a trip for a specific purpose mm-hmm. and like know that they should be checking what time their train's coming cool yeah and would you say that commuter rails are sort of more for the professional class yeah, generally. So it's, it, it's a big equity question because if you look at the subsidy per rider on like a federal level, um, bus riders in the city tend to be the most underserved or lower income people, but they receive significantly less uh, federal subsidy per ride. I forget what the exact number is, but it's like a few dollars per ride they receive from federal subsidy. Whereas I think in commuter rail systems nationwide, whether it's BART or New Jersey Transit or Metro in Chicago, I think that subsidies in the double digits per ride. Um, so it's actually quite expensive for people to maintain, but it's also, you know, important for these people to be able to make it into the city. Totally. Okay. Well, thank you for talking. Yeah, it was a nice meeting. Our wait's over. What's the, uh... Today's episode of Made in Screech was made by Zoe Stahl. A very special thanks to Sylvia Gindick, Elizabeth Kernitz, Alex Brooklyn, Izzy Meckler, Theo Shear, Hannah Sheehan, Haley Stahl, James Stahl, Leah Stahl, and Sasha Stahl for their editorial and emotional support. For more information, follow us on Twitter at Maiden Screech. Thanks. Bye. Oh, maybe I wasn't supposed to say.